welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, every week, I love being able to talk to you about the journey that you are on with your daughters. And whether you have one daughter, whether you have five daughters, it doesn't really matter. It's that bond that you have, that special bond that you have. And it is an important bond that you have with your daughters. And every week, I love being able to talk to you and walk with you on this journey. And I, I'll tell you, I learn so much from each of you. And I hope that you learn from every one of the guests that we bring on to be able to talk to you about their own journeys. Because every week, you're going to hear from different dads that have done it different ways. Because as I've said before, and I'll say it again, there is no right one way to father. But there are lots of good examples and lots of good things that you can learn from other dads around you, other dads from around the world. And that's what this show is all about. So I love being able to bring you different dads. And today I've got another great dad. Daryl Brown is with us. He's a father of two daughters. And we're going to be talking about his own journey as a father of two daughters. He's also the director of social justice and IT for Trinity United Church of Christ. And we, and, and actually he and I just chatted about a podcast that he's going to be starting. So we'll probably learn a little bit more about that down the road that he's going to be working on. But I'm really excited to be able to have Daryl with us here today. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. It's a pleasure. I love talking about my daughters. I do too. And I, I love being able to talk to other dads about the journeys that they're on. And I know you have two daughters that are 35 and 28, and they are different people, but definitely have you've walked the path and have learned a lot along the way. So what I want to do first is I want to turn the clock back. I want to turn it all the way back, back to the very beginning with your first daughter and that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter, what was going through your head? You know, I had a good friend, Norm Anthony. And when I went to Norm and I said, oh, man, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a baby. It's going to be a girl. And, you know, it was a little little disappointment in my voice. You know, I think there's that. You want a uh, mini-me, right? So you're thinking a son. And Norman Anthony told me, he said, he said, man, don't even worry about that. Daughters are going to be with you and love you forever. They're going to be the ones that come running if anything happens. My sons, I'm lucky if I see them every six months. They are out there doing their thing. It's the daughters that are going to love on you. So be you should be so happy. And that has absolutely been a true story. I love that. And and I, I have two daughters myself. And I know that in talking to a lot of dads with daughters, when they first go into being a dad, like you said, there's a little bit of fear there. There's some fear of being a parent in general, but then there's a fear of being a father to a daughter as well, because it's a an unknown experience for you as, as a man, for you in raising your daughters, what would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters? Yeah, come on. Every dad, the greatest fear is boys. <laughs> One day boys are going to come into their life. I mean, that's certainly a coaching thing. But, you know, my experience has been is that the coaching really is learned by example. I like to think that my daughters learned what to appreciate about a man is things that they've seen me do and how I treat their mother. 
right? And I'd like to think that, as I mentioned, that that was one of the real angst points. Once, you know, they were 12, 13, and the boys started coming around, that was, that was an angst point. And I didn't necessarily have conversations about this because, you know, your daughters don't really want to talk about boys to you anyway. But I, I hope that by them seeing how I treat their mother, and indeed how I treat them, that they learn a certain expectation of how they should be treated by men in their lives. Yeah, I can tell, I definitely say, and many dads with daughters will have this, that when they have those first relationships and they may have their hearts broken, it's so hard to watch. And and I'm sure it's the same for boys too, in some aspects that hearts can be broken in both sides, but, but, but it, it is definitely hard as a dad to a daughter. It is hard to watch your child go through that and to to deal with that. And I have been there and I've, I may be there again in the future, but it's definitely something that is different with every child, but it's not an easy thing to see, to watch, but you just have to be there. And for me, that's one of the hardest parts that I've had to deal with. What about you? What's been the hardest part of being a dad to a daughter for you? I don't think this is necessarily reflective of daughter specifically, but sort of what you were talking about, just the care and you can't always be there right with them. The worry, all the times they, they move out of the house, they go away to college, they go away to a job, they move to another city, they go on vacations. So my my older daughter, Nia, she is, I won't say so much more adventurous than Kamara, my younger daughter, but Nia in, in her, you know, they get to a point where they go camping. I don't know if your daughters have been doing that, but Nia did a lot of camping through the years. And as she progressed, her final big camping trip was a canoe trip with four girls about her age, 15, 16, and one guy that was 20. And they took a canoe trip all the way up to the Arctic Circle. It was a point where you took them to the camp, you left them, they did their thing. The only time we got to talk to them was when they had a, a resupply point somewhere up around the Arctic Circle. The stories of going to an island thinking you're going to camp over the night and discovering bear poop everywhere. And instead of camping for the night, getting back in the canoes and finding another spot. Uh, luckily, the I mean, you know, you, you're worried the whole time, but not as worried as you would have been if you were getting a day by day blow by blow. Oh, so that was probably my most, between my wife and I, that was just absolutely heroin. Just, uh, but, you know, she's a super bad, and, she, you know, Nia's about 115, 120 pounds, five foot two, but a dynamo, no fear. I mean, she's an attorney now, but doesn't practice in a courtroom. She's kind of like a policy, public affairs kind of person. But if she had been in the courtroom, she was not the kind of person you would want to look over and see as your opposing counsel. <laughs> Mention that every child is different and your children were definitely a few years different in regard to the age ranges. So especially having a young child and then having the older child and having to maintain those relationships and build unique relationships with each child is sometimes a challenge. Talk to me about that and what you had to do to be able to build the unique bonds that you needed to build with each of your daughters in their own ways. I didn't experience real challenges like that. The fact that they were so far apart really lended itself to 
kind of very different challenges and situations. Nia was a wonderful big sister. She probably had a, some years where there were some challenges involved. But, you know, like right now, they're best friends. They live in Atlanta, not together, but within a 10-minute walk of each other's homes. And, I mean, they were smart enough to experiment with living together before they discovered, no, nah, we're not going to do this. So Kamara got her own place. But we didn't really have that type of challenge, because I think because they were so far apart. Had they been two or three years apart, they would have been much more competitive, doing the same types of things, I think, at the same time. But the fact that they were so far apart, Mia would be off doing her thing. And the other thing is they were born very close together, right? April 1st and April 3rd. So... While Nia, the one born on April 1st, was our April Fool's baby that caused all kinds of, I'd say, worry in her mother because she was actually just moved past midnight to make it to the fourth, I mean, April 1st Fool's Day. Mom thought that was going to be a problem, but it turned out that Nia was a prankster. She loved April 1st as her birthday. It was like a birthright for her to be a practical joker. So none of that came to pass. Sometimes you worry about things that never happen. But yeah, Kamara, she didn't present the same challenges as Nia. Nia was not troublesome, but so one story is she was playing clarinet and she had been playing for two, three years. And finally, you know, you rent these instruments until you figure out, okay, she's going to do this for a while. So you finally go ahead and spend the 250 bucks or whatever to buy the instrument versus renting it. And she comes home with a report card that doesn't have a grade in music. And so we're like, oh, how come you don't have a grade in music? Blah, blah, blah. She's old, you know, the teacher just forgot, blah, 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 blah. Well, eventually we discovered that she had dropped the class. She had dropped the class before we bought the clarinet. <laughs> so that's a Nia adventure. Kamara, we had no adventures like that. Uh, Kamara, I th- you know, you learn a little bit with the second kid. You you don't worry as much. You probably, they probably get a, a feeling of a little more independence, a little less pressure. But Kamara, it turned out wonderful in her own right. She's She ended up being a musician. She played cello for many years. She ended up kind of giving it up for the most part because of carpal tunnel kind of issues with typing and what have you. She took up the ukulele instead. So she's still a musician, so to speak. She's a poet. I mean, an incredible poet. I don't know if you've ever known anybody to actually be recruited to a college because of their writing. But essentially, Oak Park River Forest High School here in Chicago has one of the best poetry clubs. I mean, over 200 kids. And she ended up coming in second in the Louder Than a Bomb poetry competition here. So she was actually recruited to University of Pennsylvania where she did her undergrad work. But she's an incredible, incredible kid, wonderful poet. And so this is the thing that I'm never going to not tell about her. While she's a wonderful writer, she had a perfect score on the ACT math. So (laughs) she's a wonderful kid. Now she's finishing up her uh, PhD work at Harvard in American Studies. And her dissertation is actually on friendship. So she's researched these African-American studies or retreats that folks went on back in the 60s and 70s. And she really analyzes how the friendships developed and how they influenced each other's work. She's a dynamo, just a different kind of dynamo than her big sister. Now, all of us that are fathers have to balance a lot of different things. We balance being a dad, being a husband, being being a employee, being whatever we are. We wear many hats. And as a part of that, we have to carve out that time. We got to carve out that time to be able to be present in our children's lives. Talk to me about balance and what you had to do to be able to balance work and raising your daughters 
along the way? Well, I certainly would be quite remiss if I didn't talk about the partnership, which is parenting, at least for me. I had a wonderful wife. I'd say she carried probably more of the burden when the kids were young. At that point in my career, I was doing a lot of traveling. I overseas and South America and all around the U.S., trade shows and things like that. I remember one time coming home, I guess when Nia was a baby, when my oldest daughter was probably eight, nine months. So I come home from a business trip and walk in the door and my wife is like, here, <laughs> I gotta go. The baby and, well, you know, she's doing pretty good and she she gets to crying. And, you know, when they get to crying, you, you try everything. So with Nia, it was like bike rides would usually do it. Put her in the car on the bike seat, ride around Palmer Park. She'd calm down. This time, she just would not calm down. And so I, I resorted to the rocking chair, sitting in the rocking chair, rocking her, and nothing's helping, you know, no burping, no feeding, no changing, none of that helped. And by the time my wife got back home, both Nia and myself were sitting in the rocking chair crying. <laughs> It was, so I don't know if that got to your question other than to say, you know, raising kids can be tough. And I mean, obviously it, it can be some level easier when you have a wife in the house, even though my wife was a professional too. So I think we were blessed with wonderful caregivers during that time. We had a caregiver that came into the home and we weren't there during the day and just did a great job. An elder woman, but uh, did a great job taking care of the kids when we weren't there. The one thing I'll throw out there too, as far as young kids, is Montessori. Both of my children went to Montessori preschool and up through kindergarten. And it was a wonderful boost for them when they actually end up going to public school after that because they were just comfortable learning. It was I think Montessori does a good job of allowing children to learn on their own and discover what they like. And, that, and for us, that carried through their whole childhood. I mean, we took a lot of time getting them involved in different stuff. And we also paid attention to when they had enough of some of those things. Kamara Brown, when she was doing so well in karate, she was one band away from her brown belt. And I'm excited because I remember my own karate life and I didn't get past green belt. And I'm kind of living a little bit vicariously. And she just came to me one day and said, Dad, I'm done with karate. I'm like, but but you, you you might as well go and get this brown belt. She was like, eh, it's not that important to me. And she was young, but she was still her own person. She was probably 10, 11 at the time. And she was like, eh, you know, it's, I've had enough. There's other things I want to do with that. Those two uh, classes a week or whatever the schedule was. I'm, I'm going to fill that in with something else. <laughs> it sounds like she did fill in her time with something else. So, that, so, so definitely that's okay. And sometimes for every father, you kind of are like, oh, Really? No. I had that situation with my oldest that she had played soccer since she was in preschool. And at one point in high school, she had had enough and she could have played for the varsity soccer team in her junior year. And if she had, she would have gone to the state championships and they won the state championships in the state. But she made a choice and she decided to do something else. And she, she could have gone back for her senior year, but chose to do a completely different sport and ended up being on the varsity team of that sport. And so, I mean, she took advantage of other opportunities. So for any dad that are thinking, oh my gosh, my, my kids drop in the thing that they've loved for so many years. The thing that I would say is don't put your own regret or own loss that you have internally for them on them. Let them make those choices 
because they are going to learn from those choices, whether it be good or bad, but they'll learn from it. And, you know, what's wrong with discovering new loves? I agree with that. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, too, is the fact that I know that as a we were chatting before we even started today, and you were talking about the fact that as an African-American father, you really paid a lot of attention to helping your children feel affirmed. And I think as as parents, just in general, I think all parents try to affirm their children in different ways. Talk to me about for yourself. What did you and your partner, what did both of you do to be able to best affirm your children as they were growing up? This one thing includes a wide variety of subject matter, but we certainly emphasized African-American characters and representation. I mentioned to you that my daughters had African-American Barbies. The house was always full of books and stories that featured a broad range of people. Some of those stories I've, I've been reading to children in the family ever since. It's bringing their own culture to the front. So they know who they are, they're comfortable who they are, they know accomplishments and heroes in their background, they recognize the, the struggle perhaps to a greater degree that they than they may get in, you know, their regular schooling. It's kind of creating a buffer against the world that the first time they come against something that rubs them wrong, that they've been inoculated to some extent, that they're comfortable in their own skin, as it were. So that as life presents itself to them, they don't get damaged. They may get hurt, but they don't get damaged. And I, I think it's worked pretty well. I mean, we talk about issues and challenges of the world, but they don't fear it. And quite frankly, they don't accept it, right? They do their thing. So I would encourage that for anybody. I mean, not to the exclusion of other folks, but it's important that our children learn to love themselves. And I mean, it's not just a, a ethnic thing, right? It could be a, a weight thing. It could be, I'm not athletic, or it could be a whole range of issues that they may get picked on, or I'll say abuse, that's probably too harsh a word, but not entirely. And it's important for us to make sure our kids are able to withstand those situations and also that they're comfortable talking about it, right? The worst thing is, for our children to have issues and challenges and not be comfortable bringing them to their parents or thinking that that's okay. And quite frankly, over the years, my wife and I have had more than one sit down with a teacher that didn't appreciate their gifts. I mean, we <laughs> we didn't play. If a teacher uh, didn't recognize our, our kids' potential, we let it be known that, you know, Either you get it right or, you know, we'll find another teacher. We'll go to another class. Didn't have to do that often, but on the occasions we did. I think your children, there is a different kind of appreciation when they see you come stand up for them. When they know that at the end of the day, if something goes awry, I can go tell mom or tell dad and they're going to figure it out. They're not going to just sit on it and say, oh, it'll be better tomorrow. So, I mean, I think we need to stand up for our kids when it's called for. And I think building that trusting relation with your children allows you to trust them when they come to you with those types of situations. Yeah, building that trust is definitely important and definitely something that takes time. But also, I think it starts from a very young age, is the more that you can show your child that they can trust you and they can come to you 
the more that they are going to be willing to do that. And especially coming to you with a sense that they will not be judged. And that is so important, especially with daughters. I've found, I've come to find that. And, and the other thing that I've come to find personally is you have to set aside that internal, that internal need to solve that is innately in men that we tend to try to go into a situation not to listen, not to hear, but to automatically say, oh, I got an answer for that. I can solve that. I can do that. I can, I can, I can, I can. And it's like, no, your daughter doesn't always want to hear that. Your partner doesn't want to always hear that. Sometimes they just want to talk it through and want someone to listen. Yeah. So um, I'll give an example of a panic dad moment. You know, I'm in the house. I don't know what I was doing. All I know is I heard a scream from Nia from upstairs in the bathroom. And I'm like, what, what? Go stumbling up the stairs, run into the bathroom, and her legs are just bleeding. She was trying to shave her legs for the first time. Dad is not very good at shaving legs. All I could do was kind of panic with her. Ah, <laughs> oh, grab some towels and wrap them around and kind of figure out where the damage is. But that was an awkward dad moment. <laughs> it's when you hope you have someone, a partner, a spouse, or someone else that has done this before that can, or or someone, even a neighbor or a friend or someone that you can turn to and say, can you help my daughter with this? Because she's trying to do this. I don't know that I have the answers. I got no answers. And, and that's important too, is to know that we won't always have the answers, but yeah. that we're willing to learn or that we're willing to find the person that can help to be able to help our daughters to be successful. Sometimes you got to reach out to some other expertise. So yeah, that was, that was, that was a pretty exciting moment. <laughs> Daryl, I always finish my interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Yep. In one word, what is fatherhood? Loving. When was the time that you finally felt like you you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I think it's still a work in process. I think we all we still have we still have advice to give. Um, you you know you get excited when, as my kids call it, adulting when adulting takes place. Like when Nia bought her own home, that's pretty exciting stuff. But I helped her when she had a guy come by trying to uh, charge her six thousand dollars to cut down a tree and take down the fence. And I told her, I said, but you got a guy over there that makes a living cutting down trees. Have somebody come over there that makes a living preserving trees and find out if anything's really wrong. And as it turned out, it wasn't. You know, when you when you prove yourself with your kids like that, you know, they, they just, they trust your advice, man. I saved her some bucks. <laughs> if I was to talk to your daughters, how would they describe you as a dad? They'd probably say I'm sensitive and mushy and smart, loving, caring, trusting, loud, <laughs> fun, for sure fun. Me and Kamaro, you know, they say belly laughs are good for your health. We, when we're together, we laugh. Long, deep, rumble in your belly laughs, because she's hilarious. And I guess she thinks I'm kind of funny too. What inspires you to be a better dad? Well, you know, one of the things that we try to do is to raise our children to recognize that it's part of their job to make the world better. So ultimately, when you say, how will I know if I succeeded? That, that's kind of my barometer. 
when they you, you you mentioned my my work is in social justice, right? So when they're finding their own place in the challenges and issues of the day and taking responsibility and leadership in that, that's probably the legacy I'd like to leave the world. Now, you've given a lot of pieces of advice today, a lot of different things that you've done with your own daughters that has worked well for you. If you were to give one piece of advice to every dad, what would it be? Oh, just love them and trust them. And, you know, don't get mad at them very frequently. Every now and then, we never spanked our kids. And nowadays, it's probably not that unique. <laughs> when I grew up, it was, we had one spanking, one spanking out of both of them. And that was when Nia had spit on a kid when she was about five. And that was, you know, it was just intolerable. And we wanted to make it clear that, you know, this is not something we're ever going to accept. But that was it. We had a little punishment every now and then. But the Lord blessed us with, with wonderful children that were not a whole bunch of challenges. Patience. Did I mention patience? Be patient. I mentioned that at the beginning that you have a podcast that you're working on starting. So tell me a little bit more about that. And also, if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Okay, so the podcast I'm working on, and really I'm at the marketing and finalizing editing. We've got, I've got probably 10 episodes in recorded. It's called Who's Doing Justice? And the idea of the podcast is to bring people on that are doing things in the community and even broader that is making a difference in people's lives and to allow them to tell a little about their stories and kind of pitch what they're doing, perhaps excite somebody to help them, to volunteer with them, or even to make donations. But the whole idea is that there's so many folks out here doing good work and we need help. And I'm trying to be one of those people that provides a, a funnel of help for some of those folks. If you wanted to reach out to me, probably right now, it would be via email. It's, well, Daryl Brown is at on Facebook, but my email is D-A-R-Y-L-E-Q at gmail.com. You know, if, if anybody's interested in talking about kids or social justice, ring me up. Well, Daryl, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story for walking the walk as a father of daughters, but also challenging people to do more for their own communities. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game 
Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be